1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast, ACC Championship Preview Edition. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, how are you doing?
2: There is a lot going on.
1: Is there? I hadn't noticed. Anything at all? Just a little. <laughs> Just a little bit. A little bit. Uh, Mike, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. This this episode is kind of a combo episode. So this is our weekly preview episode. We're going to be previewing the ACC Championship game, but... There has also been a lot of news, as is to be expected, on the tail end of the final week of the year um, that we really, really need to get into here. And In fact, some stuff that really heavily impacts both of our teams as well as uh, a couple of other schools that have had some, some moves being made. So I want to start there. Let's start by talking about some news that we've had, and then we'll get into the game here in a little while. We'll post in the show notes, too, what time the game preview starts if you just really don't want to hear anything about any of this news, which... Don't see why that would be the case, but hey, you know, to each their own. Um, Mike, before we get in the news, uh, can we go over Section103.com real quick? We, we probably should. We probably should. Uh, section we, owe, we, owe
2: st- we, we owe Steven one. We, we do. We do.
1: Um, Section103.com, as the people already know, is the premier place to be purchasing Georgia Tech wear on the Internet. Uh, they've got things with the official word marks, the ATL logo, official tech gold. Uh, they've got clothing in. Uh, they've recently upgraded their hoodies to an even better line. It was already great, but even better now. Uh, they've got t-shirts, they've got sweatshirts, uh, all sorts of things. They even got a zip-up like hoodie sweatshirt thing. Uh, it's really great, Mike. And, and again, again, all this is officially licensed stuff. Some really cool, unique, original designs. Uh, you can get things with that ATL logo on them. Uh, everything. It's really great. Once again, it's section103.com. Mike, the people, if, if you don't know already, there was a really great Black Friday to Cyber Monday sale that went on there, uh, and it seems like that went great by all measures, but if you haven't yet gotten a chance to get that and you're looking for something special for somebody in your life, looking for uh, something for the holidays, maybe even a Hanukkah gift, I believe it's Hanukkah right now, if I'm not mistaken, um, if you were looking for gifts for people coming up, you can go to section103.com, use the promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. At section 103com and Mike, for what it's worth, trying to get in the spirit here, there is a new uh, ugly sweater esque design on mm-hmm. here for your Christmas party needs. It says Feliz Bobby Dodd, <laughs> dude.
2: That's that's that's. Hey, you know I already have the uh, Bobby Dodd as my happy place shirt. So uh-huh. if we're uh, if we're gonna take that to a whole nother level, I'd be game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it is Police. a beautiful. <laughs> Bobby Dodd. It's got the Tech Tower on there. It's got a couple buzzes on there. It's got the GT logo on it. It is It is one of the coolest, most unique uh, sweater-looking uh, designs that I have ever seen. So go check that out uh, and, and hopefully get that in, in time for your uh, your holiday parties coming up. But uh, in any case, Mike, once again, go to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. This is also probably the part that I should mention. It's not just football-related shirts, Mike, because mercifully – We are moving on to basketball season, finally. And there's a really great one on there. It says, welcome to the Thriller Dome. It's got Buzz spinning a basketball. Uh, Nice. Lots of really great designs. Point is, go there, section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, Let's get into this a little bit, Mike. Uh, The big news, I think, of the day, and of course, we're recording this Tuesday evening, uh, a little short of 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, but we are about 12 hours removed from Virginia Tech naming a new head coach to officially replace Justin Fuente. Brent Pry. Brent Pry, uh, former Penn State defensive coordinator. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, did he come with uh, James Franklin from Vanderbilt? He did. Okay, so he was with Franklin at Vanderbilt. Uh, and then previously had been around. But, Mike, there was a connection here to Virginia Tech.
2: Yeah, he was a graduate assistant under Bud Foster in the 90s. So it's actually where he got his start in coaching, Mm -hmm. which I guess it was 30 years ago. But, like, that's significant from the standpoint of at least you have some familiarity with the school. A lot has obviously changed in Blacksburg since then, but having the familiarity and the roots at the school is pretty important, I would think.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And my understanding, too, was that he had some family ties; that they were kind of family friends with with Bud Foster, or that yes. that was not the the very beginning of their relationship when he was a GA in '95. So, familiarity with the program, familiarity with the region, um, he has been a really good defensive coordinator for Penn State. Uh, he he was a co defensive coordinator there for a few years, and then Bob Shoup, I believe it was, retired, and since he took over, their defenses have gotten taken up to the next level. They've been one of the best defensive units. For half a decade now, uh, with him leading the charge, they've—I've seen some terms to linebacker. You, um, so I mean, at least from a defensive standpoint, he is—he comes with a strong pedigree here, Mike, to say the least.
2: Yeah, he definitely does, and I—I I wonder, you know, if if Bob Shoop, you know, if he's getting a little bored in retirement. I mean, he's hmm. basically uh off-field analyst at Miami, which, I mean. I got a job that might pay you a little better than that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't actually, I don't personally, but Virginia tech does. <laughs> uh, I definitely don't. Um, but Virginia tech might. And I wonder if Bob shoot would be interested in maybe following Brent Pry to Blacksburg to potentially be his defensive coordinator. Wonder if that's mm-hmm. on the table. Hmm. Interesting. So just something to consider. I'm not saying I'm just saying, uh, I would consider... I mean, look, if you're going to compile a list of staff, and I I think the staff is so crucially important with this hire, let me mention that. Uh, I I think this is a good hire for Virginia Tech from the standpoint of, I I think what you're able to do here is you're able to select a guy who has not been a head coach before but has a ton of experience, high-level, power-five coordinator experience. And he's proven... He is a very, very good coach. Mm-hmm. The question, of course, is does that translate to becoming a head coach? Now, George Tech had a defensively minded uh, guy come in, and he has been kind of a total disaster as a head coach so far. So even with it's not like previous head coaching experience. Even so it's not like this is a you know something that's gonna absolutely be a home run, but on paper I like it, which you know, I, I know that there were some names out there floating around: Matt Campbell, Billy Napier. You know, Virginia Tech fans were latching on to Charles Huff. I think this is a better hire than Charles Huff, quite frankly. Um, hmm. Huff is Huff's younger. Uh, Huff's in his 30s. He he has coached under Saban, um, but but he was in, he was an assistant. Uh, he wasn't like a like a coordinator. And you got Pry now, who's been a defensive coordinator for Franklin, and he's been a really good defensive coordinator at that. And he's been a really good recruiter in the state of Virginia, which is even more important. Virginia Tech's had issues recruiting the state of Virginia uh, because North Carolina and Penn State have been the two schools that have been most notably poaching kids uh, from the state of Virginia away from schools like UVA, Virginia Tech, uh, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I, I think bringing over – one of James Franklin's top recruiters. And when you look at the list of some of the guys that Pry has been the primary recruiter for, obviously the top of the list is Micah Parsons, and he's not a Virginia guy, but it's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. But three out of the top four guys that, that Brent Pry has been a primary recruiter for over the years are from Northern Virginia and Owings Mills, Maryland near Baltimore. So mm-hmm. those are areas where Virginia Tech has historically recruited. And if you're going to take away one of James Franklin's top recruiters and you're going to put him in Blacksburg, a guy who knows the state well and knows how to recruit in Virginia, I think that's really important. But the ultimate success of this hire is going to depend on the staff that he builds. And I think what what Babcock did is he learned a little bit from that from that Justin Fuente situation six years ago where Virginia Tech financially certainly was not in the uh, state that it's in now from a football operating budget standpoint, they're in a much better spot um, due to recent fundraising over the last year and a half or so Virginia tech uh, projects to be second, second or third in the ACC and football operating budget behind Clemson. And I believe Florida state,
0: To mm. give you an idea
2: of kind of the commitment that Virginia tech's made to the football program now, which, you know, some would argue they should have done that all along. Maybe like when Frank Beamer was winning 10 games a year, but, you know, that's just one man's opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when when Witt hired Justin Fuente, he had to pay him a certain amount of money because he was one of the hottest G5, G5 coaches on the market. Um, Tom Herman was the other, and Herman went to Texas. And Virginia Tech took the next best G5 coach in Justin Fuente. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out, and couldn't really pay any high-level assistance. Uh, now, Fuente brought a lot of his assistance with him from Memphis, so it wasn't a big deal at the time. But if you fast-forward a few years, when Bud Foster retired in 2019, they couldn't replace him with a Barry Odom, for example, who was a candidate for the job who wanted a lot of money to be the defensive coordinator of Virginia Tech. Hokies couldn't pay him. Mm-hmm. And that's how Tech ended up with Justin Hamilton with no defensive coordinator experience. He was handpicked picked by Bud Foster to be the guy to replace him because Tech couldn't pay Barry Odom. And I think yeah. when you make this hire with Brent Pry, and then you have the influx of uh, funding for the football program, Uh, what you do is you're, you're able to dedicate more money to the support staff, right? Whether that's actual assistant coaches, whether that's recruiting coordinators, whether that's just on field support staff, analysts, et cetera. Like that, that's significant to me with, with this hire, what you're able to do is pay Brent Pry, And I I don't know what the contract is. Uh, They didn't really release the details of that yet, but we'll find out soon. I was going to say, we'll find out. We'll find out probably in the next 48 hours. He's being in, uh, announced formally on Thursday. I think that's when we'll find out. Hmm. Uh, but I I think that what they're going to be able to do is have Brent Pry be paid something similar to what Justin Fuente was being paid and now expand the support staff underneath him. I don't think it's a deal where you're going to have to pay like Brent Pry five or six million dollars to be your head coach. Fuente was making four and a half, I believe. Hmm. And I, I think Pry is going to make that or a little bit less, I would assume. So yeah, it's gonna be all about the assistance. I think Pry is gonna be able to fill out the staff a bit better than Justin Fuente was able to. Um, and and I think Pry just having the high level defensive coordinator experience makes this a, a pretty good hire and a very wit hire, wit a very wit Babcock hire, right? Like under the yeah. radar, probably solid guy knows football, but it's not without risks because he is a first time head coach. So there's that element too, and and the staff's gonna be really important.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think with as with anything, you know, it's one thing that I noticed that I'll say the overall kind of sports media does a lot is look at a, you know, a program and whether they're successful or not and pins the whole thing on the head coach. Right. And it's like, well, yes, like the head coach is ultimately the one that's responsible for kind of organizing the program and setting the direction and and, you know, at some point maybe having game plans and kind of running the recruiting aspect and maybe doing some fundraising and like some things like this. But at the end of the day, like the coach can't, you know, the head coach isn't coaching each and every one of those 85 players on the roster, you know, day in and day out. Like a lot of it ends up being about the assistants that they hire and the staff that they have around them. Like, and that's where I, I kind of try to make it a point whenever I say, you know, excellent coaching, coaching job by, Dave Doran and his staff, you know, because it's not just Dave Doran doing it. You know, it's not. And, and this is the part where I get, you know, oh, look, he's crapping on Dave Doran again. Um, no, but, the, you know, or hell, Dave Clawson or uh, Mike Norvell or, you know, whoever, like, you know, the point is, like, it's it's not just that coach. It's kind of a collective effort. Um, Mike, I have one question for you. And uh, if this is a little bit this is a little bit trolling a little bit but it's also a little bit honest Um, I you know generally I I think that this is I I like the hire I I think Brent Pry again has, has been very successful he's been part of a very successful program for a number of years he has an example to model it off of that's all great he's a longtime defensive assistant he's never been a head coach before how is this different from Miami hiring Manny Diaz a few years ago
2: Brent prize a little bit older and that's about it. (laughs) That's about it.
1: That's about it. Um, yeah, that was the thought that I had was like, you know, I I was thinking to myself earlier, like I really like this hire, And then I thought more and I was like, but I didn't, I didn't really approve of the Manny Diaz hire a couple of years ago. And this is really kind of the same situation. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Um, it's, there's so much that's kind of in common here. And, I, and even to the point of, like, well, Manny Diaz is from South Florida. He knows South Florida. Well, Brent Pry is from Appalachia in general, or Appalachia right. or whatever. like, And he's been here, and he's been around Appalachia at other jobs. And, like, it's kind of the same thing. So and they've both run really good defenses. And, you know, so... Again, trolling a little bit, but also maybe a cautionary tale at the, at the same time. But at the end of the day, I mean these these guys are they're different people with different programs, with different politics and different resources, and you know they're in the same conference and, and trying to compete at a similar level. But like, you know, who the hell knows? Time will tell.
2: Right. I <sighs> look. I, it's got to be better than the last guy, right?
1: <laughs> well, you say
2: that. I I do. I think we'll it find was worse out. Than
1: that one before uh, before Beamer showed up. So who knows? <laughs> That's a nervous oh, laugh, God. right there.
2: I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, Virginia Tech hires Brent Pry. Congratulations to the Hokies with their new head man. We'll learn a lot more in the coming days and weeks about you know what what are the details there and and who's he bringing with him. So we will find out. and We'll keep you updated as we do. Uh, Mike, elsewhere in head coaching news, Duke officially on Sunday parted ways with David Cutcliffe. I think it was on Sunday, maybe Monday. Um, We have figured this was coming for a while. There was still a part of me, and especially with some of the conversations we've had with Steve Wiseman, I just wasn't sure if they were actually going to pull the trigger on this. I think it was labeled as a mutually parting ways, but let's be real, like, I I mean... (laughs) probably a little bit of a nudge coming from the duke athletic department i'd have to imagine um i i've heard an interesting candidate or two associated with this job i i, I mean i it's not i don't know that i'm at liberty to say who it is but um i i'm curious to see which direction they go with this because there there's a lot of different directions that duke could go here and i'm, I'm curious to see the level of candidate that they're able to attract
2: yeah, I mean, my lasting memory of David Cutcliffe will be the Belk Bowl bad beat against Cincinnati. Kelsey!
1: So,
2: yes. That's
1: an SVP That's overwhelming. The others that don't know. Yeah. That,
2: that's overwhelming. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw footballscoop.com mentioned that Duke was interested in interviewing Marcus Freeman.
1: Uh, okay. All right. Uh,
0: I, mean, I yeah. would be,
1: too, if I were Duke. I just... Yeah. If I'm Marcus Freeman, do I even have time to talk to Duke right now, much less? Yeah, D-
2: <laughs> Duke's, Duke's also interested in interviewing, you know, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, probably Lincoln Riley again,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Brian,
2: Brian Kelly. Um, Man, it took all I had,
1: Mike, the other day. Holtz. Was it Holtz. Uh, was it Pete VT or... or no, it was, it was Jersey Hokies, who it was on, on Twitter. <sighs> Legend, yeah. That, that I, I I made some comment, or no, no. When all the you know Georgia Tech coaching stuff and, and the Gibbs thing was happening, and it was like, you know, what are your thoughts on this? And I gave my thoughts, and he was like, you know, what do you think Virginia Tech should do? And it took all I had not to tweet like Saban.
2: <laughs>
1: Just call Saban. I'm sure he wants yeah. the Virginia Tech job. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> David, I don't. I, don't, I have no idea what Duke's going to do here. Will Healy,
1: Chadwell, those seem to be like the obvious in-region hot name candidates. The point that I heard made around Chadwell was: think about what Duke is as an institution and how they treat themselves, and, or how they see themselves, and how they uh, they want to be seen. And then imagine a man with a mullet who's running around like in sleeveless shirts and jorts and stuff, like going full Myrtle Beach at all times being hired there as their head coach I I don't know if that really works as a cultural fit but hey
2: maybe I uh, yeah I mean I don't I mean he goes full sideshow Bob on us you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a cultural fit at Duke now uh but I didn't think Brian Kelly was a cultural fit at LSU and Dan Wessel from Yahoo reminded us they're not trading gumbo recipes. He's just trying to win football games. <laughs> and that Nick Saban <laughs> and that Nick Saban is not from the southeast either. And he's been fine. So I mean, maybe they maybe they step outside of the comfort zone of that mid Atlantic region. But I I do feel like Will Healy or Chadwell do feel like the two candidates that that make some sense for Duke. I, I just I, I think what you gotta get at Duke is an up and coming head coach that is looking for kind of that stepping stone job to prove he can do it. That doesn't really feel like going to a G five wants to like go immediately to like a lower level power five school. Right. And I mean, Duke is basically bottom of the barrel in the ACC right now outside Mm -hmm. of Syracuse who ended up having a pretty good year. But I mean, I'll believe it when I see it for multiple years for Syracuse. Yeah. So I mean, Duke's probably as low as it gets right now in the conference. And I think you're stepping into a program that, you know, while they haven't had the best last few years, they were able to establish a winning culture under David Cutcliffe, which sounds outrageous because they you know, have were winning seven games a year. But they'd only done that like three times since the 40s or whatever it was before yeah. Cutcliffe got there. So, I mean, Cutcliffe did a lot for the school and, and I don't want to poo poo it at all. But kind of what's happened the last few years has set Duke back quite a bit, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it's. I think this is a very different job opening if it's like three years ago. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you'd still be like you're saying and suggesting like you're still kind of coming off of like one of the more recent highs for the program. And and for this to be like a full rebuild job, I mean, you got to realize at some point, like Jamie Chadwell going in there from Coastal Carolina, like the shots right now are better than the Blue Devils and it's not close. Right. Will right. Healy so from he, Charlotte? Charlotte beat them this year,
2: right? Like, like, <laughs> like, are they taking steps down by going to Duke? Uh, it,
1: well, you're, you're you're not getting an upgraded roster. I wouldn't say, you right? Know, like, so it, it's to some degree, it's starting over even more than uh, than just any job job change would be. I would say.
2: I agree. So, if it's not Healy or Chadwell, like, who would you pick?
1: Uh, I'm not going to say the name that I heard uh, out of respect mm. for the split zone duo uh, that was kind of linking this name. But let's just say that if this this name were to get this job, and it would be a step up for this person, but they have plenty of head coaching experience before. Let's just say if that person were to get this job, there would be a number of Georgia Tech fans who would let a let out a collective groan at what would be about to go down uh, and it's not Paul Johnson but it's not that far away from it so you know do with that what you will but just think about it more or less as if Duke were to hire Paul Johnson it would basically be like that and Georgia Tech fans would be miserable at the thought of Jeff Collins trying to uh, deal with that next year. Fair enough. So you catch my drift there?
2: Uh-huh. We'll yeah. leave that alone. All right. I'm gonna leave that alone.
1: Uh as a result of Cutcliffe leaving or being cut or whatever, uh we also need to mention here that Gunnar Holmberg and Jake Emphasis, Bobo Hey,
2: wait, wait a minute. Hmm. Wait a minute. Good put good there's a good pun there and I want let it slide. Yeah. Emphasis on the cut. Cut got cut? Cut got cut. cut, cut. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Continue.
1: As a result of Cut getting cut, uh, Gunnar Holmberg and Jake Bobo in the transfer portal. So probably,
2: probably for the best for them.
1: <laughs> that's that's a starting quarterback, <gasps> uh, and I think a pretty solid wide receiver. So yeah, curious to see where those guys end up. I want to say Bobo was also a, a grad transfer, so he's he he doesn't have a lot of time left to play, but he's he's you know, he's an older guy. He's got some experience. Uh, you know, physically mature, all that stuff. So
2: he should go to Wake Forest. <laughs>
1: They've got a pretty good history with wide receivers, don't they? Yep, would we'll be right down the road.
2: Hmm. hmm. Stay in his own apartment.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Uh, all right, Mike. That's all I got on Duke. Uh, let's keep moving here. My school, Georgia Tech. Uh, on Sunday they fired offensive coordinator Dave Patnode, uh, co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach Nate Burton, and cornerbacks coach Jeff Popovich.
2: Pause. Did they fire the wrong coordinator?
1: Uh, if they were only going to fire one coordinator? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so.
2: Sorry to, sorry to interrupt your train of thought. Continue.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, arguably more important than who was fired is that defensive coordinator Andrew Thacker was retained. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I will say that, and in, in our friend Kelly Quinlan has been reporting on this, I'm not going to go into too many details of what he's been saying, but... Um there is a lack of clarity right now on what Thacker's role with the team is moving forward. Is it is he retaining full-time defensive coordinator duties? Is he being demoted? Is he is he even staying with the team at all? Like I don't know. Um, for now he is still the listed defensive coordinator on the website and that's all we know. Uh, so is he
2: getting is he getting Carrie Coombs? To-
1: uh, you never know. <laughs> okay, you never know. Kerry
2: Coombs, for to remind everybody, Kerry Coombs is the Ohio State defensive coordinator who is no longer calling plays.
1: Right. Yeah. That. Well, those and, duties were and stripped. Hasn't him. been. I think it was. Was it after yeah. the Oregon game, or was there maybe one more game after that?
2: Uh It I mean. was in September. It was in September for sure. So early in the year. But he was the
1: defensive coordinator for the Ohio State defense that got shredded by Oregon in Week Two. I believe it was. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it. I don't know if it's me. I, maybe they're trying to pull the whole like keep him around until signing day and then cut him the day afterwards because there's no honor among thieves, basically, I guess. I don't know. But
2: we've we've learned that in the last 48 hours, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, we have.
1: Um, so we'll see what they do with Thacker. Um, we'll see what they do in terms of, you know, the defensive coordinator role. Is there another? Uh, is there a special teams coordinator brought in? Are there two spe- uh, two secondary coaches again on the new staff? I don't know. Um, we will find out. More importantly, I think the offensive coordinator role that is open today, Mike. There were re- reports that it was offered officially to former Georgia Tech quarterback and current Miami Dolphins. Uh, was he is he the coordinator right now or not? Let me quick Google. Uh, yeah, he's a co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, that would be one, George Godsey, who was, uh, again, he was a quarterback under, uh, I believe, George O'Leary at Georgia Tech. Uh, he's a former offensive coordinator for the Texans under Bill O'Brien. Uh, he's been in the NFL for about a decade, maybe a little bit more, and then previously before that was at US- UCF. Um, he turned down the role, which I think got a large sigh of relief from a lot of Georgia Tech fans. I do not think there was a lot of, uh, a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> about him and the results that he's gotten from his offenses and then translating that to this offense. So uh, if, if it's not going to be him, we will have to see who will be following up Dave Patnode as the offensive coordinator for a coaching regime that very well may be a sinking ship at this point.
2: Uh, we have seen this story before at other schools
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I am very interested to see how this in particular is out
1: me too me too because this is this is one of those things too Mike where it's look everyone on the board as soon as they saw Pat node was fired said go hire Dan Mullen dude. Part of hiring Dan Mullen is Dan Mullen agreeing to sign on the dotted line. Like, why would yeah. Dan Mullen want to come be your offensive coordinator in this job? And, and at, you know, he can do something bigger and better for more money.
2: Yeah. Also, like, in order to hire Dan Mullen, you have to pay him more than your head coach. So, yeah. There, that's the I, other part of it
1: I would say I would suspect that what will happen is with Alabama's offense being underwhelming this year they're probably going to get rid of Bill O'Brien and I'm just suspecting they might bring in Dan Mullen to be the offensive coordinator because it, it, as long as Saban can stand working with him like he's the best offensive mind I think out there for uh that's still looking for a job at this point but um yeah so it's 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 not just like who can you find but also like who can you <laughs> convince and who can you get to agree to come be part
2: of your team Uh, and at what cost?
1: Yeah. What are you willing to pay them? And are they, are they willing to come be a part of what again has the appearance to some of being a little bit of a sinking ship? I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, got to have some assurances. It's going to last longer than 12 months. If you want to get that level of coordinator, we talked about that with Virginia tech we've talked about with other schools. Like you got to be sure your head coach is going to be there a little while because otherwise these high level assistants are probably not going to take a chance on you.
1: Right, exactly.
2: It's a life. It's a life move for these people. Like they mm-hmm. have to move their families to where they're going if they want to see their children and their wives. Like mm-hmm. they want some security. Yeah, just think of it that way.
1: And and that was a conversation I was having with my my dad the other day. Mike was that it, it's so easy to to treat this like a video game and see these people as pawns on a chessboard and and forget that no it's like they have wives and they have kids and they've got you know lives and other hobbies and interests and connections and like all sorts of things that it's like it's not just as simple as uh hey just go offer him money and then just bring him in like have you ever thought about quitting a job because of not liking working for your boss Yep. Have you ever thought about staying at your job over a better offer because you really liked working for your boss? Like, yep. So there you go. I mean, it's same thing with these guys. So just keep that in mind, I guess. Yeah. Um, Speaking of sinking ships, Mike, uh, Jameer Gibbs also in the transfer portal. Um, And, and, you know, this is the time of year that there are a number of guys entering the transfer portal. I've already mentioned a couple. There are plenty on other teams. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them for anyone else because I don't. I don't think that there's a whole lot of other like consequential names in the ACC right now that are in the transfer portal. So we're not going to bog down the show, but I mean, Jameer Gibbs was top 10 in all purpose yards in the country this year. Uh, He is by far the crown jewel uh, recruit for this Jeff Collins regime. Uh, He is probably the most dynamic player at Georgia tech, at least since Calvin Johnson, maybe even further back. There are no character issues. There is no off field reason for this. This is purely, I think I want to win more than this. And that is not, not a good look for this coaching staff.
2: Not great. Mm -mm. No, not Mm -mm. great. But, of course, like some Georgia Tech fans want to say, Joey, nothing to see here.
1: Nothing to see here. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Trusting Collins, right?
2: That's that's right. Uh, Shout
1: out to the self-proclaimed hashtag GT Twitter Army.
2: Yeah, yeah. what is it the culture what it was the 404 the culture
1: hashtag 404 the culture baby yeah don't worry Trusting collins they got it this is all just preparing for the uh, the inevitable 10 wins next year they're gonna win the acc just you watch
2: i mean that would be something that that would <laughs> that would cash a rather large bet um if we were to put one down, not my bet. Be, like, quite the payout, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't, be <laughs> wouldn't be my I bet.
1: Wouldn't be my. bet. I mean,
2: I don't. I'm not sure. Well, let's let's get to the off season. Let's get to the actual off season first. I know Georgia Tech's already starting their off season, but I'm saying like let's get to the actual off season for everybody first. Mm-hmm. To see kind of what the ramifications are. Who's coming in? Who's going out? But I mean, Georgia Tech very well might not make a bowl game next year.
0: Yeah
2: possible not like, on the table so
1: that's very possible it's very on the table I would venture. I would uh I, would venture. I mean I mean
2: they've lost one of their quarterbacks their best player at running back and there have been some rumors flying about Jeff Sims right so mm-hmm.
1: yeah the quarterback that also is in the portal as of today was Jordan Yates um yes officially the backup who started half the games so He's talented. He is. He is. He's a talented guy. Um, I mean, he was a four-star recruit out of high school. He was, you know, Paul Johnson's last quarterback recruit. He, that, I mean, hopefully he'll be good for someone. So, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, just the vibes in Atlanta, real bad. Uh, Especially this time yesterday afternoon after the Gibbs news and, and some of the news about Godsey and such. I mean... It was uh, a little bit of a morale uh, the morale of like a smoking crater.
2: Yeah, I've been, uh, been there. You don't you don't really need to explain it in great detail because <laughs> that's been my life for the better part of the last 18 months with Virginia <laughs> Tech people. So I was going to say I
1: mean you did get married like 6 months ago, so let's be specific about wh- <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I do find it, I do find it odd that my Twitter poll that I put up a little while ago before we hit record asking about the my love is limitless i'm really just making fun of brian kelly but i put up the quote that my love for you is limitless because that's what brian kelly told his team over Mm -hmm. text uh, before meeting with them early on tuesday morning i said who said it better and the options were me to my wife jesus christ or brian kelly (laughs) and i regret to inform you that at the time of this recording uh, the votes for me, saying it to my wife, are only receiving 19.7% of the vote with 70, <laughs> 71 votes counted. Twitter so, is the best. It is the best website. And the worst. And the worst. All at the same time. Absolutely.
1: That's all I got on Georgia Tech, Mike. Uh, Louisville fires co-defensive coordinator Court Dennison. Um, and this this actually, I don't think we talked about this back in October, <sighs> I guess Probably he, for the best. Well, Probably for the best. Well, I don't know how much we knew back in October. Right. He, he took a leave of absence from the program, and uh, that I think that kind of flew under our radar, so we didn't hit on that. Uh, Mike, the story goes, Denison's firing comes on the same day that the Louisville Courier-Journal's Tim Sullivan reported that former UofL employee Christine Herring had filed a protective order against Denison... Herring, who was fired in October of 2020 from her role in the athletic department as senior women's administrator, alleged that Dennison was "quote an imminent threat to her and her family." Dennison and Herring had previously been involved in an extramarital affair. Herring's oh. emergency protective order was dismissed per agreed on uh, per agreed order on November 18th.
2: Yeah, and looking at the way Louisville's played defense against the past at some points this year, I could see why they could see Court Danson as an immediate threat as well. <laughs>
1: Damn it, Mike, you always get me
2: with these. That was pretty mild. It
1: wasn't. It wasn't bad, but it was pretty good. Um, I mean, it, it,
2: it was good. It wasn't defensive.
1: Right. Right. It, we'll get there. Definitely wasn't defensive. Uh, uh, that, that's, <laughs> for <sure. laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. You Whoa. know, and and kind of as you're uh you know going down the path of there with the status of Louisville's defense of the last couple of years him Brian Brown might be time to just move on from both of them i don't know yeah Had- hadn't been all that uh hadn't been all that promising we'll say
2: yeah i mean hopefully he's better at picking a defense attorney than picking a defense <laughs> It's just too easy. I mean, I, I don't know. These are layups for me. These are
1: layups. Too easy. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Again, I, I, I don't expect Scott Satterfield to be going anywhere this offseason, uh, at least not based on what we know right now and the roles that are open and uh, anything else you know surrounding it. I don't think Louisville's going to fire him. But I think there is plenty of possibility that uh, Brian Brown is also canned or shown the door. And uh, Louisville starts over on defense a little bit next year and tries to get a little bit more out of that unit that has really been pretty largely underwhelming for the last few years.
2: Uh, you grew up a Louisville fan, and I'm sure you've seen the video of uh, the athletic director. Uh, who's Louisville's athletic director, His name? Uh, his name slipped my mind. Vince Tyra. Right, right yes. now it's Vince Tyra, yeah. Vince Tyra, okay, thank you. Um, it, ca- it came to me mid-sentence. Uh, Vince Tyra and Scott Satterfield, uh, sitting there, letting Lamar Jackson know that his jersey was going to be retired. Did mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. watch that video by chance? Okay, I actually haven't
1: seen that one in particular, but I can imagine okay. Lamar Jackson looking at Satterfield like, "Who the hell is this guy?"
2: Yeah, Satterfield looked <laughs> like he was in a hostage video.
1: <laughs> that was exactly what I was about to mention too. Is I could see this being a bit of a hostage video. Yeah,
2: yeah, he looked like he was in a hostage <laughs> video. He looked really uncomfortable, like he had to poop. Like it was. It was one of those situations where he did not look like he was having a very good time, uh, letting the best player in school history know that his number was being retired. So,
1: <laughs> Cool, cool. Good cool. times in Louisville.
2: Yeah. Uh, all that to say, I think Satterfield's toast. Like I don't, I don't know if he gets fired now, but I, I think he's toast.
1: Another sink and ship, dead man walking kind of situation?
2: It It feels like a bad fit. Yeah. Decent coach, bad fit like very similar to Fuente.
1: I think I agree with that. And that's that's what I was allu- alluding to and I swear I'm not like making jokes or anything like that that if Virginia Tech had gone and hired Satterfield, I don't know that that would have been a bad move. Like again, Satterfield a guy from Appalachia that I mean knows that whole area, knows North Carolina like I don't know how great he would have recruited at Virginia Tech relatively, but I think he's more he's more a fit for that program personality-wise than louisville right now
2: i would have yeeted myself into the abyss so i'm glad they didn't do that
1: i mean it'd be a hard sell job for the uh you know for, for, for the
2: ad there yeah i mean for like 15 seconds this morning the uh brent pry hiring wasn't going over well on twitter then i i realized pretty quickly that's because people didn't know who brent Pry was <laughs> so once people did their research a little bit, I think they were a little bit more comfortable.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go.
2: Yeah. Fans live in a silo. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, Mike, Syracuse fired offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert.
2: I have an idea as to why. Oh, yeah? Uh, I do. But uh, continue talking for a moment while I pull it up.
1: Uh, The long and short of this is that they hired Sterling Gilbert Uh, Was it two, three years ago? It wasn't that long ago. Um, He was there, yeah, 2020, 2021. Um, Previously was with Charlie Strong at Texas and then at South Florida. I didn't fully get the hire at this point. I guess he had been with Dino Babers maybe at Bowling Green back in 2014. Um, But just, like, it had been a while since he had run, like, a particularly impressive offense, and they were, and to their credit, I mean, he and, and Babers were able to uh, like change course on that offense this year, like midstream, as they, uh, you know, they swapped quarterbacks from the start of the year, you know, midseason, like, and that changed the style entirely. So, I mean, that was that was a positive, but still, not really what we saw from Syracuse like three years ago under Eric Dungey or anything particularly close to it. I mean, there was, I think, there was potential. And it just wasn't really being realized, and so he is out at Syracuse. However, Mike, he is out. There is no news so far that suggests that Dino Babers might actually be gone. So I felt like I heard some stuff in the national media in the last couple of weeks, suspecting that he might be canned at Syracuse. I have not seen anything that suggests that that's on the table right no. now. Nor do I. Nor had we thought that that should be on the table. I think this year compared to the last couple of years, I think he's earned another year.
2: Yeah, their athletic director came out yesterday and said that uh, Dino Babers was going to be the coach next year. So uh, he said some changes needed to be made on the offense, though. So, so mm-hmm. they went ahead and made those changes, right? Uh, Sean Tucker noted all ACC running back. Sean Tucker, by the way, mm-hmm. mentioned uh, we lost our last game. This is on Twitter, at Sean Tucker 2020, which I don't know if this is actually him or not. I think it is, and everybody seems to think it is. He's got, like, thousands of followers, but it just seems like a meme. But anyway, we lost our last game, Pitt 31, Syracuse 14. I'm not pleased with the outcome of the game or the play calling. I want to do so much more, but I don't call the plays. Good luck to all the seniors moving on. Joey, I mean this with all due respect to Sean Tucker. Every time I read his, his Twitter, right, like every time I read his tweets, it feels like a sixth grader is writing now and, and I don't mean that like from an intellectual level. I just mean like it, it feels like he's just kind of shit posting the athletic department. If, every time, if, like I read, if I were un- a sixth
1: un- grader with a Twitter account, what would I tweet? <laughs>
2: yes, and I, I feel like just go onto his timeline after like your middle school basketball game, and this is the kind of stuff I would probably say, right? It's like. like- it's
1: like a like a news service crossed with like a weird like AI bot. <laughs> yeah, like, like the news yeah. service pulls like information from the game they played, and then the AI bot is programmed to give input based on how the game went and how Sean Tucker's stats look.
2: This is it's like if the you're, weirdest Twitter account I've ever seen. <laughs> this is like this is like if your dog is scheduling tweets with Alexa. You know, like that's kind of kind of what it feels like. Yeah, it's like this is kind of coherent kind of not like it feels like a computer wrote this it also feels like a sixth grader <laughs> wrote this I, is this real is it fake but this guy has thousands of followers
1: i was gonna say 8461 followers at the current moment sorry yeah. sorry sorry make that 8462 followers
2: <laughs> you just followed him did i
1: just followed him i, I need <laughs> excellence i need sean tucker's tweets in my
2: life excellent and oh you know what i just realized i am not a sean tucker follower so joey 8463 followers that is that is correct (laughs) one step closer to being verified ai bot fantastic fantastic
1: yeah so uh i don't know mostly good stuff at syracuse not for sterling gilbert but good for dino babers and sean tucker's twitter account
2: I, it, hey, I mean, if you're fired from an ACC offensive coordinator job and you weren't really all that good, maybe you just go go coach at Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. So that option is always on the table. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and you know what? Uh, he might actually have some experience at Bowling Green now.
1: A retirement home for failed ACC coordinators.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> that somehow need to fail upwards. Yeah, sounds right. Uh, that's all I got on Syracuse. One more from the no-news department. Uh, we've had no news on Manny Diaz, Mike. Um, no like confirmation that he's staying. No announcement that he's leaving. Yeah. There's still no Matt, athletic director.
2: No athletic director. And Matt Zenitz from On3 mentioned that it seems like it was trending towards Manny Diaz being retained, which I guess isn't a huge shocker considering, A, nothing's happened to him yet. B, they don't have an athletic director.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say that's that's kind of the obvious thing to tweet out. Like if nobody ever comes out and says he's fired, then I guess he'll be on the sidelines for the first game next year and <laughs> that'll be that. Like he'll be retained. Like he's still under
2: contract. Um, yeah. And I don't want to take shots at Matt Zenitz because he's broken like three or four different coaching related things the last few days, so he's obviously very tied in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like some some people just like some like national reporters just like don't have any information on like a given situation and they just tweet something that's like, yeah, I mean, obviously that's true. If they haven't fired him yet, it's probably trending towards them keeping him considering it's like middle of the week, like the the week after the season and they haven't fired him yet. It's like, yeah, it does seem to be trending in that direction, mm. but your source didn't tell you that you're just assuming that, you know? <laughs> so that's not a shot at Matt Zenit. It's just like in general, I feel like that's, that's something that reporters do. Yeah. So there you just go. A, just a feeling I have on that. I, I'm just getting a lot of personal thoughts off tonight.
1: <laughs> That's what we're here for, Mike. Um, last thing before we actually nope. preview the ACC Championship game, Mike. Oh, God. We have a couple of uh, listener emails. <laughs> First one from Shane Del Solar. He says, I suggest that the Week 13 Brian Van Gorder Memorial U Tride Award. Should have gone to Mike actually for trying to podcast without saying something terrible, but failing in the first and last two minutes of the podcast.
2: I mean, guilty as charged. Yeah.
1: Where's the lie, Mike? Where's the lie? Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I, rather than giving me the Memorial you tried award, I should get ACC player of the week. I think for my (laughs) podcasting efforts. (laughs) Excellent work. (laughs) Thank you. Uh,
1: says I'm ready for some spicy coaching carousel news. Salt piles. Ready. Let me hear those rumors uh shane we're not insiders we don't know um but we appreciate the asking uh we are gonna report what other people report
2: yes i am merely a podcaster
1: that's right that's right uh here's some actual questions someone is hiring dave clausen from wake forest this year right right mike any comment
2: they gave him an extension for a reason because schools were trying to do that so
1: just generic schools any schools
2: one may have been my alma mater. <laughs> it might have been Virginia Tech. It may have been.
1: Who's to say? Nobody knows. Um, I will say this on a more serious note, is that this is the point. He's been there long enough. He's starting to get the national notoriety that I think if we're at the point where nobody, or if, if Dave Clawson signs an extension and stays at Wake Forest, I think it really lends credence to the idea that Connor O'Neill has given us a couple, a few years running that I think he's pretty happy in Winston-Salem. Yeah. And for a lot of, you know, he gets he's gotten mentioned for SEC jobs. I really don't think he wants an SEC job. I, I think his experience at Tennessee in the past has him just saying thanks, but no thanks to get in the middle of that whole like rat race,
2: basically. Uh, I would agree. I mean, he's had opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that he has stuck around and continues to get paid. And also the other, the other part of this too. And I don't doubt that other schools have been interested in him, but I do wonder how much of it is actually manufactured to get him a raise
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: also. Um, not that he doesn't deserve it. He deserves the raise for what he's done at Wake Forest. I mean, they could very well win the conference championship on Saturday.
0: Yeah.
1: So sure. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll get there in a minute. They, they sure could, but, um, Shane also asks, who's winning ACC Coach of the Year and who gets the worst ACC Coach of the Year award? <laughs> um, ACC Coach of the Year might just be Dave Clawson. C-
2: Clawson, yeah, I would say Clawson. I Do you have another obvious candidate?
1: I mean, Narduzzi and Doran also stick out, but I think relative to expectations, I mean, I would think it's Clawson, especially considering the fact that they won the Atlantic Division, breaking Clemson's <laughs> sixth. 7 year streak of winning the division whatever it's been. So,
2: how about um how about Court Dennison? Not him. Not him. Off I, the table.
1: I can think of a couple of people that wouldn't vote for him. I
2: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> can you? Oh, okay, we should probably move on from that.
1: Who gets worst ACC coach of the year? He says guessing either Cutcliffe or Collins.
2: Or Court Dennison. There it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not a lot of anything redeeming about Court Dennison's fall here in the last few months.
2: No. Uh, worst ACC coach of oh, okay.
1: I, I mean, I would think it's one of those two guys, yeah. like,
2: Yeah, because like, even though Fuente got fired midseason, he was still performing better than Cotton and Collins.
1: I mean, just from a pure like betting, wagering standpoint – Collins, depending on when you got the win total, the win total at, at times for Georgia Tech was at 5.5. Came in 2.5 wins short of that. Like, Dabo Swinney didn't come in. Well, no, he probably did come in probably right at 2.5 wins short of their win total mm-hmm. at,
2: at Clemson. Yeah, they were around 11, right?
1: Uh, maybe 11.5. Maybe yeah.
2: Um, oh, yeah, it was 11.5 because we were talking about the Georgia game making or breaking it in our preseason show.
1: Yep, yep. So, but other than that, I, I mean – At least Cutcliffe won three against a a three-and-a-half win total. Um, You know, there wasn't high expectations. So, Jeff Collins, come on down. Come get your award.
2: We got to figure out a piece of hardware for that. That would be fun. Worst ACC coach of the year. I need you to work on that for me. Just give me, like, 24 hours to brainstorm.
1: Put it on the list. Put it on the list. Yep. Uh, one more quick one, Mike. We got another email from our friend Keith Derrick. Uh, he says, is winning four to five games next year considered an appropriate improvement? This is, of course, at Georgia Tech. Or is the bar now set to win six or more games or start over with Collins? Uh, Keith, if they don't make a bowl game next year, I think we're done here.
2: Yeah, I think you just go ahead and fire them because mm-hmm. uh, if you've had to make changes to your assistant coaches – and you got players now, like impactful players, transferring out of the program.
0: Mm-hmm. As
2: somebody who just went through this at Virginia Tech, just pull the plug early. Mm-hmm. Just, just pull the plug, rip the Band-Aid off. Like this is trending worse than Fuente was at Virginia Tech. <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
2: And I, I get it was more of a rebuild when Collins got there and everything, but this is going like remarkably poorly.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I'll say this, and and I made fun of the crowd who is inevitably going to say something like. Well, now he's got a new staff. Give him a chance, you know, with the new staff and all this. I made fun of that. I will say, give me six games in the fall. Like, the the first game or two, I might not know anything. But I think by, you know, early October or so, I'm going to know. I'm going to know. Either either at that point, he's going to be fired or, or not. Um, and it's going to, again, it, it's going to take a bowl game. At, at the very minimum, if not like seven games. And I think we talked about this, right. Mike, maybe after the Northern Illinois game. I was starting to talk in terms of how many games does Georgia Tech need to win by the end of 2022 for Jeff Collins to keep his job. And I, I believe the number that I was really kind of sitting on was about 11. And part of that was thinking that he might win four this year and then win seven next year. Mike, he won three. I will be the first one to be considered shocked if they win 8 games next year.
2: Yeah. I whatever the over under win total is, uh I would consider the under already. <laughs> so, yeah. Then again,
1: as bad as this year was, it might be a pretty low total, so
2: yeah, I yeah, I mean and What the schedule, would the number have to be? What would that Well, taking the schedule into account, what would the number have to be for you to consider taking the over? Mm,
0: three,
2: three and a half. Three. Okay, fine. Because I could one. get a
1: push on three.
2: Okay, fine.
1: I'm uh I don't know. We'll see what happens with the coordinator. We'll see where the off season hype goes. I might be interested in three and a half, but not not any if you get to four, no thank you. Like I'll pass. <laughs> I won't take the under, but I won't. I sure as hell won't take the over. Um, Keith also says, by the way, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinators' contracts expire this year, right? When is that date? Main question being that they're both gone, right? Tell me they're both gone. Uh, well, <laughs> Keith, as we established, uh, they probably should be both both be gone. Uh, only one is gone, and I think the wrong one was gone. If only one was going to be gone. Well, um,
2: that's that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is that Jeff Collins is batting five hundred and that's what <laughs> Hall of Famers do.
1: Oh, man. If only life were that way, I would have gotten all A's in school.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> all I got to do is
1: bat five hundred on these tests.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. All I got to do is get 50%. So I was real good at that in college.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you to Shane and to Keith for these questions and for uh <laughs> Two of our most frequent flyers in the uh, the email inbox with their questions. We re- I legitimately really appreciate it. Uh, Sorry,
2: client. This deliverable is only half right. Like, <laughs> hey, get, make the Hall of Fame in baseball. <laughs> 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 Look at it this way. I should bring that up on like Popper's call for one.
1: You should try that next time and see how it goes.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, this is like, you got you got 50% of the way there. I'm like, you know what? Hall of Famers bat 500 <laughs> and just see what everybody would do. No kidding. No kidding. You're fired.
1: Out. Get out of here. Out. Uh, Mike, should we, like, I don't know, preview the ACC championship game? Yeah,
2: I think we'd do that. It's
1: probably, probably time to get go ahead and do that. Uh, one last preview for the season until bowl season. Uh, and as always, Mike, we begin by recapping our Van Gorder coin ba- balances. Mm-hmm. Now, this got really uh, really complicated last week because we basically bet all the same things with very few exceptions. So we won and lost all the same things with one small important distinction being that I had an extra bet on the over in Wake Forest Boston College and then Phil Jer- Jerkovic, we're going with Jerkovic for this particular uh, application, threw the ball 11 times for 19 yards, meaning their offense made it the better part of the length of my house uh, by passing (laughs) the ball.
2: Putting up Troy Flutie stats.
1: And I do not live in a big house, Mike. Uh, Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, so they did not get the over uh, in that game, even though Wake scored 41 points and has Wake's defense. So with that being said, Mike, you gained uh, 10 Van Gorder coin of position, meaning you now have a lead. Of almost seven full Vanguard coin, you are now at four twenty-eight and sixty-nine cents. Nice, nice. Uh, I am at four twenty-one and seventy-eight cents. So I need to make up a little bit of ground with this here pick. Unless I don't know, you you tell me right now. Are we uh, are we extending this season this uh, this wager into bowl season?
2: Yeah, why not? Because sure. uh, betting bowl games is a sicko's thing to do, and I'm going to be one of those sickos.
1: Guilty as charged. Yeah. Let's do it, Mike. For the last time in the okay. regular season ish, ish. Uh, 8 o'clock on ABC Saturday night. This is the uh, the primetime spot that the ACC Championship game has been in for a number of years. It is our number 15 Pittsburgh Panthers taking on the number 16 Wake Forest Steam and Deeks, our Steam and Deeks against our Panthers, of course. Mike, Pittsburgh's a three-point favorite. Total is 72 and a half. This is coming to you live from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I mentioned to you before we came on here, and it, for anyone here that listens to the podcast, you'll know that, uh, or even cover three, you know that, that uh, I, I believe it's Chip Patterson has talked a couple times about certain lines with certain conferences being Vegas basically pointing at us and saying, we don't know, you figure it out. And I can't help but think that a conference championship game between Pittsburgh and Wake Forest with a spread of three is Vegas just saying, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> up to you.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you have the button, Ray? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, good. So you're you're going to need it in a second also. Okay, all right. All right, good. Uh, over. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Seventy-two
1: and a half, easy.
2: Yeah, we're looking at an implied score of thirty-eight to thirty-five, Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, this is getting in the forties. So, as you were saying, Mike, over seventy-two and a half, lock it up.
2: You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up.
0: Please.
1: Yeah, this is this is getting pointy. Real. Yeah, pointy. and
2: listen, listen. Outside of your Wake Forest bet last week, which I mean the bet should have been canceled. and You should have gotten your money back uh, because it was a Boston college game.
1: Yeah, it was a shame.
2: Yeah, I mean, Wake Forest games go over.
1: I asked for a like, refund and they didn't give it to me. It's crazy. Weird.
2: that That's very weird that they didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> the wait, Wake Forest games go over. And here's my rationale here, right? I get that Pittsburgh's defense is fine, right? They're not very good. Uh, against the pass, they are pretty good against the run. Here's the thing though, Wake Forest isn't gonna run the ball that much. They should like I don't I don't want to say that Wake Forest is on like UVA levels of like not caring about running the ball, but they, they really don't care about running the ball. Like Hartman's gonna throw it forty five times. At and least. the way and the way I look at this too is like if that's the case and Pitt can't stop him, this is absolutely getting in the forties. Mm-hmm like Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's best path to stop you defensively is stopping the run. Like you run at them and they stop you and they get off the field. Mm-hmm. Wake should just throw it a bunch. And Pitt, by the way, Pitt can do whatever they want because Wake can't stop anything. So just do whatever you feel like doing. Yeah. Um, and and Pitt doesn't really care about running the football either. So there's just going to be a million passes thrown. It's going to be great. It's going to
1: be Air Raid City. Well, and it's it's interesting. Like we just assume that. Wake Forest, in particular, has actually been more run-heavy than pass-heavy this year. Um, they, they've they run the ball. They've got 489 rushing attempts to 434 passing attempts. Balance that maybe a little bit for some sacks that they've given up. Mm-hmm. But, like, as much as we've seen Wake air it out in a lot of cases, they've actually run the ball a little bit more than they've passed it. Well, so, though. Have they done it well, though? Reasonably. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're averaging about a little over four yards a carry as a team on the year. Um, depending on who you look at, I mean, they they had a three game stretch against Army, Duke, and North Carolina where they ran for almost eight yards a carry, six point three <laughs> yards a carry, and five and a half yards a carry. Um,
2: God, those defenses are bad.
1: Th- that was games seven, eight, and nine, and then in games 10, 11, and twelve, they went for two and a half, one point one, and three and a quarter yards per carry. So it's not like they're just doing that to everybody. But the point is, Mike, you know, and, and, and I'll say this in past years, what we have done with this game and with the national title game or playoff games is kind of break it down from like the standpoint of when each team has the ball, like what happens. I, I'm not really interested in doing that with this game, not because it doesn't involve Clemson or, you know, it's not that important. It is important. It's more just that like these two teams have almost identical identities, identical identities, I'll have to look that one up and see if that's proper or not. But, um, I mean, both teams throw the ball well. Uh, Wake runs the ball okay. Pitt does not run the ball well at all. Pitt defends the run fantastically. Both teams just give up a bunch of points and yards in the passing game. So, really, I mean, from a game planning standpoint, both of these teams should throw the ball like 60 times in this game. And and certainly from a standpoint of lengthening the game and getting more drives and more opportunities to score points, I mean, I I think it's going to be big play, air raid city, like you're saying, it's going to be up and down the field all night long. And and I think that, yeah, it's going to get super pointsy, like into the 40s, maybe even the 50s. Like, this game might get real wild, frankly, just with the way that both of these teams have played games this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, just think of like watching Bedlam, just like more drunk than usual with Spencer Sanders and Caleb Williams slash Spencer Rattler not being a quarterback.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think of
2: it like uh, Kyler Murray against Mason Rudolph or something.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, you know, again, both of these teams very vulnerable in the secondary. Both of these teams very good receiving cores, uh, very good quarterbacks who have had very good years. Like, it's, it's, it's obvious to me. I am going to take Pittsburgh to win this game and cover the three points only because what we've said is – I think really the one defining difference here is that Pittsburgh's defense is better, A, at stopping the run, and B, at getting after the quarterback. Um, so I think whatever attempts Wake makes to run the ball are going to do almost nothing – And I think that they're going to come up with a couple extra sacks on Sam Hartman that I don't think Wake can match with their own defense. So from a splitting hairs standpoint, I'll take Pittsburgh. But it it so easily could go the other way. So easily.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm taking Pitt. Same reasons. I mean, reasonably speaking, defense is a little bit better. But, I mean, this will be close. It'll be high scoring. Uh, Wake winning would not shock me. I'm not taking my Pittsburgh bet to the bank. I will be betting the over. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's I where I'm with at that. with it.
1: Give me 40 Van Gorder coin on the over. You doing it, Mike? Uh,
2: I guess I got to match you. Yeah, let's do it. You don't have to. Well... This this guarantees that no matter what happens, I'm still up on you. So going 40. into the full
1: season with that, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, so I will do that.
1: Uh, this is for what for what it's worth. This is roughly somewhere in the nine to ten percent of each of our bankroll going into the the over here. So I think safe to say, Mike, that uh, with any real life Van Gorder coin that you and I might have, uh, might be throwing it on that over as well.
2: I, hypothetically, I
1: mean, hypothetically. Uh,
2: yeah, because we would we would never we would never bet anything other than Gordo coin.
1: That's right. That's right. The made up currency that isn't actually worth anything and certainly we couldn't be able to like cash out to our own bank accounts
2: or anything like that. Right. I mean that's how BetUS pays us.
1: Right, right, right. Especially in states like I'm in where, you know, sports betting is still illegal. Um, you, thankfully, are in a uh, a legal sports betting state. So I am. If you, if you were to choose, Mike, to wager uh, real-life American dollars, you could, but we wouldn't do that because we're not actual gamblers.
2: No, I've never placed a wager before. That's right, that's right. This is all very new to me.
1: Yeah, same, same. I'm still trying to figure out how these uh, how these bets work. What's the yeah. minus mean again? Yeah, what's... <laughs> Why does my bank account have negative $30? Uh, Over with 40 Vanguard coin for the both of us locked up. Uh, Mike, you want to talk about the other games this weekend real quick and then get out of here?
2: Yeah, let's do that. I got to pull up the spreads because I actually don't know what those are.
1: Uh, I pulled them up uh, specifically from BetUS.com. And by the way, if you're playing on America's Favorite Sportsbook, you should use promo code GOACC with a $100 deposit for a 125% sign-up bonus. So just go ahead and do that. Um, How do we feel about uh, UTSA catching two and a half against uh, Western Kentucky in the Conference USA Championship game?
2: UTSA is coming off of a pretty brutal loss in North Texas. Western Kentucky beat Marshall mm-hmm. to get into the Conference USA Championship game. Uh, this game's being played in Texas at the Alamo Dome. Uh, That's their home goal. I, like, I like UTSA at home.
1: I think so, too. I just don't understand why they're not favored. They've been undefeated. A
2: little bit bit of an overreaction from last week.
1: Mike, Utah kicked the living crap out of Oregon two weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. now they're only a three-point favorite again against the Ducks from Las Vegas. How do we feel?
2: It's really hard to beat a team twice.
1: I get that, but when the first time you... (laughs) Beat that ass. Like, not just, like, on the scoreboard, but, like, physically on the field, just ran the ball down their throats and beat them up. Like, that's replicable two weeks later.
2: Give me Utah. I think I'm on Oregon.
1: I'll take Utah minus the three. I And, and again, I feel like it's a bit of a trap because they won that last game by, like, 31 points, and now they're a three-point favorite. Uh, probably playing at a little less elevation than they did last time because that, that last game was in Salt Lake City wasn't it? It was yeah, so this is in Las Vegas so less elevation impacting U- uh, Oregon but still just the way that Utah just manhandled Oregon it, it's a there's a chance that Oregon you know has some pride maybe I don't know and then like comes back and makes this a game or wins it outright but give me Utah uh, Saturday. The Big Twelve Championship game: Baylor plus five and a half taking on the Oklahoma State Cowboys coming off of Bedlam. I think give me Baylor.
2: At least Baylor in the points. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll take Baylor in the points. I think Oklahoma State wins.
1: I think it was Baylor is the one game that the the Pokes have lost, right? Uh yes. They no no no. They beat Baylor twenty four fourteen.
2: Oh, Oklahoma State lost Iowa. They lost Iowa State, didn't they?
1: That's right. That's what it was. Yep. Uh, two weeks after that, yeah, they lost Iowa yep. State. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Total here is forty-six and a half. Would look at the under there.
2: Yeah, Oklahoma State's been good, man. I've been impressed with Baylor too, though. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be that's gonna be a pretty good game on Saturday.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, we'll keep moving here. The uh, Houston Cougs taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Cincinnati is a ten and a half point favorite. Uh, give me the Cougs, ten and a half. Yeah,
2: give me Cougs. Yeah, give me Cougs as well. Houston, uh, Cincinnati probably wins.
1: I think so. Uh, Cincinnati started to roll here in the last couple weeks, but you know some of the rumors surrounding their coach and the pressure on to make the playoff and all that stuff. You know, could get a little bit of a you know a little bit of a puckering up situation that Houston at least makes it interesting, if not maybe wins the game outright. Who's to say? Yep. Uh, SEC championship game Georgia a six and a half point favorite At Mercedes Benz against Alabama It's Georgia I think it's Georgia It's.
2: It, I think it's Georgia too I Bama couldn't block Auburn
1: And if they can't block Auburn <laughs> They sure as Blue hell cannot block Georgia like, And I think
2: Bama and, and I do think Bama could, could make some plays Against Georgia Secondary potentially The issue is that I do not Think that Bryce Young is going to have much time to throw at all, at all? Yeah. Uh, based on what I based on what I saw last week, and I just I think Bama is uh, they are what they are at this point. I just uh, they have a fine team this year, but they have some they have some issues up front.
1: Would you feel differently if Steve Sarkisian was still the offensive coordinator?
2: I mean, is Steve Sarkisian blocking?
1: No, but I trust Steve Sarkeesian to draw stuff up to, like, neutralize some of George's defense a lot better than Bill friggin' O'Brien. Like, O'Brien's <sighs> yeah, not a bad offensive coach, but he's not a great one either, I don't think. But he coached Tom Brady. I don't know. Tom Brady seems pretty good to me.
2: Like, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he seems like a decent quarterback. I uh, not talk about uh, the Patriots anymore. Keep going. I mean, I, there's some... Uh... I got a a, a pennant and a championship banner hanging around here somewhere. somewhere. Do you want to continue? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, g- give me Georgia. Yeah. Joey, they, they, uh, Bama can't block them. Period. They can't block him up front. And I don't know. I, I don't think Sarkie, like Sarkisian, I think would help more than O'Brien. But I don't think it's to a point where like they would beat Georgia on the field definitively with Sarkisian. I just they got issues up front.
1: Georgia minus a six and a half. Under 50, under 22 and a half Bama team total for me.
2: I like all of those bets. I like
1: all one. of them too. And it it's a little dangerous because it feels like I'm walking into a trap with how much I like all three of those in a game that's going to be this focused on by all the books. So right. keep that in mind. Yeah. Last one, Big Ten Championship, Iowa plus 10 and a half against the Michigan Wolverines.
2: I was going to die.
1: Yeah, but give me give me Iowa plus a ten and a half. Can't do it. it the total's forty four. Can't do it. Like I, I realized that Michigan just bullied Ohio State. Yeah, so they're doing they're doing the same thing that Iowa wants to do, and Iowa's built on both sides of the ball to do it the same way, just like not exactly as good. Ten and a half points. Give me Iowa.
2: I think there's a chance Iowa gifts Michigan a couple short fields. That's very and, possible. And that's that is the path for Michigan covering this.
1: Yeah, Iowa came, Iowa brought their backup quarterback in by the way last week against Nebraska. And their backup quarterback was the former starting quarterback who had been replaced, who was replacing the new starting quarterback because he was not good either. <laughs> Iowa's quarterback situation brutal. So,
2: yeah, it's real. I mean, it's real bad. Yeah.
1: So if I, I guess that's the thing is if you like Iowa plus the ten and a half, then you really like under 44 in that game, which is just an absolute chef's kiss of a uh, Big Ten title game total. So
2: it is. Yeah, That that's it feels right, doesn't
1: it? It does. It does. Uh, give me USC plus four at Cal also in the nightcap. It's a totally meaningless game. USC just got their head coach, might be a little jazzed up. I don't know. Give me the Trojans. Why is USC
2: the underdog here? Cal's not good. <laughs> I'm on Cal, dude. Sure. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I've agreed with you on, on many of these bets. I think I'm on Cal. I yeah. don't. I don't know. Would, uh, then again, I'm not sure how many of these I'm actually going to bet. Oh yeah. There are, there are a few. I mean, there are a few. Certainly, I, I will. I will bet. Um, but. Yeah, I'll bet a couple of these for sure. Okay, so let's talk about the coin. uh, Let's talk about the ones we will bet. So, we already talked about Pitt and Wake. I'm on the over there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to bet Georgia minus six and a half, the Alabama under team total, and the under fifty. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Yep. Uh, I'm on Louisiana. In the Sun Belt title game. I don't I don't care that Napier just got hired at Florida. I think Louisiana is better than App. I'm I'm on Louisiana outright. They're Louisiana, a three point dog.
1: Yeah, three point dog there.
2: Three point dog. Yeah. I, I will I will likely bet that game. Um and I'll likely just go ahead and bet Oklahoma State money line because I'm not sure what the spread's gonna be there, but I do like Oklahoma State to beat Baylor. So
1: I'm seeing five and a half. Oklahoma State is minus two twenty on the money line.
0: Yeah,
2: that's not great value, huh?
1: Not not the best. Uh,
2: okay, maybe I'll hold off on that to see kind of what I get Saturday morning. Maybe I'll wait on that.
1: I think legitimately the other one I'm interested in betting is uh, Iowa's team total is 17. Mm, I under. Under on that,
2: yeah. Under, yeah, under there. And then, oh, by the way, the under in the Georgia Tech game last week for the team
0: total. Mm-hmm.
2: Remember, I was going back and forth on whether or not I should bet that to- team total.
1: Weren't sure how we were feeling about
2: 7.5? Right. It was down from 9.5. Yeah, And I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to touch that. That was you, a mistake. You could anyway. have set a
1: Georgia Tech team total of 6.5 on the Notre Dame and Georgia games combined. The under Can you imagine? Like, what, plus... 600 to get shut out basically in two straight games
2: or a field I was going to say imagine the odds I could have gotten to just pick the score I, pick one side score right which you can't really do you either got to pick the actual game score or um, you, you got to just like pick a team total or whatever imagine if I had just said under in both games right mm-hmm. like combined total of six and a half like you just mentioned mm-hmm. under under six and a half for two games of Georgia Tech football, like literally 120 minutes of football, they are going to score less than a touchdown. What what odds would I have gotten on that?
1: If I knew, I, I would be a bookmaker.
2: I mean, it sounds it sounds outrageous, and it's it, it's I don't know. I mean, Notre on paper, Notre Dame and Georgia, yeah, they got good defenses, but like you're betting on Georgia Tech to not score a single touchdown in 120 minutes of game action. Pretty brutal, Mike. I'm also betting UTSA. Yeah. I mean, sure. Plus the two at home.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, that makes That's
2: sense. Like four. That's like four-ish bets.
1: Yeah. That'd be a good little, uh, nice little weekend there, for sure. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, for me... Um yeah, over Wake Pit for sure. The three that I listed in the SEC championship for you, Georgia on the spread, uh under fifty, and Bama twenty two and a half under the team total. And then I think under seventeen for the team total for Iowa. That's probably what I'm actually interested in for this weekend.
2: Do you think uh Jeff Collins will be betting on Northern Illinois in the Mac championship game to try to get his money back on the blown cover in the opener?
1: <sighs> Mike
2: there's lots on unpack there sorry if,
1: if you ever need like a hype man if, if you're ever coaching a team and you need a hype man just schedule your team to play against Jeff Collins' team because he will tell you about how Northern Illinois and Duke and some of these teams have some of the best offenses in the country and the reason that they gave up so many yards and points to you is because you have one of the best offenses in the country, and he will hype you up to no end. And they would, I, there is, I, I guarantee you, there will be like a tweet or something Saturday night after Northern Illinois wins the MAC of like, congrats to the MAC champions. We had a great game on uh, you know to start the year or something like that. Reminder, like, hey, look, like, yeah, we lost to Northern Illinois, but they're the MAC champions, and never mind the fact that like. They've won basically every game that they've won by single digits. Like, they've barely lucked their way into this game to begin with. Like, also, give me uh, a friggin they play, break.
2: also, they they play in the Mac, Jeff Collins. Yeah. Like, no offense to the, the schools in the Mac, but they play in the Mac. They play on Tuesday nights in November.
1: And like, you have a top five roster in the ACC. Right. And your ass lost to them.
2: I'm getting fired and up. For again, those, man. and for those disputing the top five roster thing, look at the, 24 seven sports yeah team composite yep and there's no dispute georgia tech does have a top five roster from a talent standpoint in the ACC. Mm -hmm. so yeah gives you an idea of how jarring this has been
1: northern illinois currently well going into uh, week 13 so a week ago ranked 106th in sp plus Tell me about how your transition has kept you from, in year three, being in the top 100 in SP+. And, oh, by the way, you're ranked 76th, meaning at home, SP+, would favor you by, let's see, 9.4, 1.4, like 11 plus three, so probably about two touchdowns you'd be favored by at home, by SP+, Mm -hmm. by the metrics, and you lost. Yep. I'm getting mad all over again, Mike.
2: Anyway, it's a good money-making opportunity for Jeff Collins. Yeah,
1: that's right. Just anything, everything is a sales job. Everything is promotion, Mike. So
2: just put your it. money, put your money where your mouth is, Jeff Collins. Do it. I think Northern Illinois is that good? Bet on him in the MAC championship game. Do it. Do it. He, he
1: won't do it. He's full of no. crap. On that note, Mike, <laughs> you want to get out of here and uh, go got, uh, I, watch some championship games? I
2: got Joey Madigan.
1: Yeah, you're good at this. You're good at this. Mike, let's get out of here. We're going to come back on Sunday, maybe Saturday night. Who knows? We'll see if there's another live recap in us. We'll find out.
2: Sunday for sure. I got to be at a wedding Saturday. Oh, I'm missing. I'm I'm missing some big time football on Saturday.
1: You are. This is still a fall wedding. He knows that, right? Or she or. Yeah, know that
2: uh, uh, kind of kind. Of, it's kind of a day situation. Not like uh, sorry Not.
1: I'm, Understood. I'm gonna, I'm, Understood.
2: Okay. I, 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 know the, I know the husband and the wife. Understood. Understood. We're going to leave that. Joey, we're leaving that right the hell there. We have been okay.
1: podcasting long enough that I saw where your brain was going with that. And we're leaving it there. We're on
2: the we same page. We're leaving it there. Okay. <laughs> I know the husband and the wife from college. The, I know uh, what you mean. The groom, the, the groom is a former roommate in college, and the bride... Was a roommate of my wife's in college. So, oh, very cool. Well, that'd be fun. There you go. We all met each other because we lived in.
1: Oh, all right. Well, enjoy, okay. have fun.
2: Yes, It'll be, be a good safe. time.
1: I'll be watching football, so I'll let you know how it's going.
2: Good. Uh, <laughs> I had to take a weekend off. I, you know, I I was trying to carry the the podcast on my back there for like eight weeks this season. <laughs> so we had to <laughs> we had to go ahead and swap because <laughs> you were at a wedding. sore. <laughs> you were at a wedding in in cancun and you know everywhere you were never in cancun but you were all over the place say
1: atlanta twice chattanooga breckenridge anyways mike we're gonna get out of here we're gonna go watch some games or go to weddings and then come back and recap on sunday they can follow us on twitter i'm at after joey he's at mike mcdaniel sos together at bc podcast acc you can send us an email with questions comments concerns to the longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com
2: Nailed it. Thank
1: you. And thank you to Shane and to Keith uh, for sending their questions in this time. And as always, uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes and Spotify, anywhere you go find your podcast. go find us there, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. We appreciate those who do. You want to tell them where else they can find us on the
2: social medias, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. We also have an Instagram page. We do at, at BC podcast, ACC. It's,
1: it is ours. It is ours. It's not active but it's ours.
2: So, yes, we own it.
1: That's right. Uh, so if you want to follow us, that would be lovely. Um and we are we are still kind of in the process of working on getting some social media help. Shout out to Greg. Um Greg, you know who you are. There's an email coming your way probably before this uh this particular episode posts. So, uh we'll talk to you soon. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else?
2: We, we got some catching up to do on a recruiting controversy between Oklahoma and USC brewing on a Tuesday night. We
1: do. Uh, there is a certain brother-in-law of yours that is texting us uh, details that have apparently just been breaking as we've been recording this, so I look forward to reading through them and figuring out what the hell's going on.
2: It sounds like a typical Tuesday night across the sport that we know and love.
1: The greatest sport on earth, and I will hear yes. no, no others.
2: Yep. And if if the last few days haven't proven that to you, then I don't know what will.
1: That is correct. It's been a hell of a coaching carousel. Mike, enjoy the wedding. We'll talk soon. Yeah, man. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go
2: ACC.